Yes, the story of how the hell I went from low testosterone and too, too much ass to... Low testosterone and too much ass. Low testosterone and too much ass. Walker, settle. My guest and longtime friend, Miss Ilsa. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, basically how we know each other, kind of roll through the memories a little bit with a little bit of storytelling. And uh, Ilsa is very big on nutrition and um, healthy living. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because Lord knows I could use some help with that. And she's very, very good at that sort of thing. So say hello to the world, Ilsa. Hello, world. Yes, we're here live and direct. So um, tell everybody about how we know each other. Ah, way back in the day when we were young, um, I was Kathy's fire dancer. Yep. So I used to, as we've talked about before, I am a DJ, and uh, Ilsa used to spin fire for me. It was a pretty great show. That's right. I'd be playing drum and bass, and Ilsa would be performing uh, fire. They were on chains, and she would spin them around, and it was she was quite good. And Fucking leaving for the applause. That was so much fun. I love those times. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, what was great about it was it really elevated the experience, I thought. You mm. know, you, it's not something that you're expecting to happen in the middle of the show for somebody to come out and start spinning fire. So I always felt like it added that extra something to it. Uh, I can't remember when we met, but... I guess you probably spun fire during one of my sets at one point, and I was and I loved it so much. I think I asked you to do it regularly. Well, I loved drum and bass. That was my fucking jam, and that's why I knew you and fell in love with you because you played this music that I was like getting so into, and like like I I discovered that music before I even moved to Austin. That was like back when I was. Like, hippie living in a commune like somebody had a cassette of jungle music and i'm like what's this oh this is great i love it uh yeah uh, i remember uh always being really impressed with your skills uh and uh we've uh, been fast friends ever since so we're going on probably 20 something years of being friends the admiration is mutual we lost connection for a while because ilsa went on a well she lived her life but she went to get a degree but she also uh Rode a bike. Uh, how long did you ride your bike across Europe? Just, and it was just her by herself. It was just me. Yeah. Me and a bunch of camping gear because uh, Europe is a great place to camp, actually. They, they're, they're, their campsites are quite sophisticated. They, they got hot showers and, you know, four euros and you got a place for your tents and you're good to go. You're going you know, look, you sleep under the stars every night. It's really nice. Um, that was 35. 200 miles of cycling over the course of maybe about five and a half months, uh, six countries. Wow. Something like that. That was... But you were in the best shape of your life after that. I actually gained 20 pounds. Probably all muscle. <laughs> Mo most of it was muscle. Like my, my calves would have made Pamela Anderson blush. They yes. the, the, the cleavage in my calves was so... Deep, <laughs> defined. Yeah, but but I no, no, I actually put on weight because um, I think because I basically was starving all day, 
working out like a maniac and then at night I would I would eat everything everything in sight and then and that's a good way to put your body in some kind of weird freak out I think well Ilsa's led a, a really interesting life uh, she did live on a commune for a little while. That's not something that everybody can say. That's right. Uh, so what can you say about, uh, about communal living without you know, getting anything you, too You know what my favorite job was there? My favorite job was shoveling shit. Really? Yes, I loved the compost. So I'd go gather the horse manure and the chicken manure. I like taking care of the chickens. And every time you find a dead chicken, you just... You know, take take it down the road and throw it over into the fallow field for the coyotes to eat. You know, God give them something. Um, but I loved shovel shoveling rotting food and mud sandwiches that you basically every week you would shovel them and you know that they'd create this all this bacteria and you hose them down and keep them wet and festering and disgusting and it's this that fetid smell of rotting it it wasn't rotting it was like it was more like this mud rotten sandwich that was mat- <laughs> that 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 was actually like back, a, a bacterial soup turning into turning into dirt like if if you succeeded you could mix all this rotten food and grass and crap like literal literal manure together and in the end you have the best food for plants in the world you wow. have your compost you have your best compost yeah. for sure and it has this really rich scent that for some reason i found kind of addicting <laughs> that's interesting like, like uh, was it the cir- the circle of life part of it that that you really enjoyed you think maybe yeah yeah it was like making uh, making magic happen, making life out of death. Yeah, yeah. Out, of, out of refuse comes rebirth. Hasn't that? Haven't we been? Spe- we've been talking a lot before this podcast has begun, and I've been spouting that sort of maxim over and over: is out of the negative, out of horrible, terrible tragedy and bad circumstances, is the doorway to. Your opportunity is your, is your, that's your golden ticket, is when shit hits the fan. Look for the opportunity because it's there. That's a great insight. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of truth in that. Absolutely. Um, just to double back about the, uh, about the commune that Ilsa was on, uh, you may have heard of it. It was called Zendik Farm. It was around in Austin in the 80s and 90s. Um, they used to have a zine when they used to have zines and everything's <laughs> on the internet. But if you were on Guadalupe, uh, also known as the drag by the university, you would often meet up with uh, Zendik Farm representatives that were selling their zine and also reaching out. I was always hanging out in front of Proteus because I like the music and then I'd dance and then I'd you know, I think sometimes people just give me a couple bucks just because it looks like I was having fun. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, she looks like she's having fun. Here, here's two bucks for your stupid magazine. How did you, uh, now how did you get involved in it? Do you remember how you, I, were, were you recruited? Um, I was recruited on, uh, on Guadalupe. 
because I was told that it was an arts commune, which it was not. It was six days a week of hard labor on a farm. <laughs> so there was no time for art. There was only time for farming. Um, so I left after a month, but then I found out that um, I thought that I would go on some wild, crazy adventure like Jack Kerouac and hitchhike to California. But living on the street was not a preferable mode of living. And I was only 16. I think I turned 17 just barely. And I just wasn't ready for living on my own. And so I moved back to the commune to finish growing up. And I did. I, I, I had instant family there. I could trust the people there not to rape, murder, or kill me. And that was helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is really helpful, having a safe space, for sure, especially at that age. Yeah. I remember, uh, as a funny aside, that uh, I hear the, the saying about electronic music was there was two words to techno, tech and no, <laughs> from what I heard. Um, and you still keep in touch with some people that oh, were yeah. there. Oh, yeah. There's, um, I, I keep in touch on Facebook. I actually have gone out in, to California and visited... Um, well, tech, I don't know what Tech was up to it at the time, but a um, couple, couple of friends, Clay uh, and um, Anya, moved, had moved out there. She was living in Cincinnati, but she lived, moved out to San Diego to live near Clay. And I've also visited Verdi um, up in Chicago, like when I was 30. So, yeah, it's like if, you, if you've lived on Zendik Farm... Anybody from Zendik that was there at the, at the time that I'm in, still in touch with, we are lifetime friends. Oh, and Baru still lives. Yeah, love we, Baru. We, we never lived at the farm at the same time, but just having that connection, she brought me in to, when I left the farm, she brought me into the kind of Zendik halfway house that was, uh, what did we call that place? The cat the coop. Cat coop. Yeah, Baru was responsible for that. Do you so remember what part of town the cat coop was on? Because I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it was on Hemlock Boulevard, I think, something like that. The Cat Coop was a three-story house. It was mm -hmm. a big piece of property. A big octagonal mm -hmm. house. And, like, every every, every room was a trapezoid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seemed like it. And what was, what was cool about the Cat Coop uh, was, one, they threw amazing parties. But um, what did. was also cool about it was that the whole, uh, the attic area... They used it for workshops, so uh, I remember going up there and doing yoga at one point. Um, they would even have sometimes uh, speakers come and give little talks about stuff. Right. Um, they really tried to make it a, a productive workshop. Uh, it's not. It's not a good place to take too many mushrooms though because of the wood <laughs> paneling and the, the the wood grain would just dry it just, you could go down the stairs you gotta go down the stairs you gotta go down the stairs <laughs> just, otherwise the walls will just be swimming and you just you, yeah you'd lose your mind <laughs> <laughs> so um what kind of uh well, I have, there is one video. If you want to see me and Ilsa in action back in the day, 
you can actually look up Reverend Kathy Russell at Twist on YouTube. And there is a video. I was just watching it yesterday. I didn't I was, know that. Yeah, you're on there. And it's really funny because there's one I part. a video. I've never seen a video. I thought I, I thought I shared it with you, but uh, I can share it with you again. But yeah, Please there's do. a. Uh, it's on it's on YouTube. It's uh, me playing at Twist for the Rock and Bass Showcase. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, you're on there spinning fire. And at one point, you're right in the middle of a back bend. And uh, I'm making some noise, like, everybody make some noise. And uh, apparently I was in between songs or some kind of mess up. So you totally make fun of me to the people standing around. <laughs> oh, that's right, because you know what? That and the, the only other video, well, I've got a couple other videos, but I, the, the only video that I have easy access has to was another lady DJ, and she talked through the set as well. It's like... Play music, play music so that Shut I can up. dance. Yes. Shut your mouth and play the record. <laughs> but in that in that video, it's a two, it was a two-story club, so she was in the upstairs, I was in the downstairs, so I had no idea that that, that was going on. But, yeah, it's pretty funny to watch that later where Ilsa's basically punking me out to the people standing around, and she was right. I'm <laughs> hyping everybody up to silence and not playing the music. It's, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Um, there was one time where Ilsa and I were, uh, being a, a little bit over, in, uh, affectionate at some show. Oh yeah. I love, oh, that was in Houston. Uh, it was a something, it was a, it was a show thrown by the Scooby-Doo crew. And I remember there was a pile of kids. Well, I call them kids at the time. Cause I think everybody was, I mean, we, I was like 19 or 20 or something. We were near what they call but, a cuddle puddle. But, but, but there were. The kids just like caressing and fondling this giant ice sculpture of Scooby Doo, like n no doubt all of them on ecstasy. But but so so her and I got a little jiggy with it, and this man comes by, this chaperone of sorts, and he says, "This is not a makeout center. This is not a makeout session." This is not a makeout center, is what he said. This is not a makeout center. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we weren't, I mean, we were just kissing and stuff. It wasn't, we weren't getting too crazy. No. But yeah, it, he came Clothes were on. <laughs> Clothes were on and we were in public. But yeah, the guy, he just, yeah, comes up very aggressive. This is not a makeout center. So that's been our I was kind of on your lap in a, in a straddling kind of way, but. You were, you were, I was, uh, yeah, you were. He, I don't think he would have been so judgy if. We were hetero, like some heterosexual couple. I think he was being. I think he was. I think he was being a little bit. Was he being a phobe? Yeah, I think he was being a little bit homophobic. <laughs> I mean, that or yeah. he was getting turned on watching it. Something, one of the two, had to put a stop to it. <laughs> this, this is not a makeout. <laughs> what, what did you say? This is not a not makeout. a makeout center. Like there, there are sixteen-year-olds like on like frying their brains on god knows what or all around you and you have to focus on two girls Single kissing us out and we are like the, we're, we're the least of your worries adults. sir that's right <laughs> that's right i remember you doing fire for me at zenfest that was good a good time zenfest was crazy because that was right after the uh, rave act had passed 
and they were putting out all the task forces. Uh, we talked a little oh. bit about the Rave Act in my first podcast, and uh, they had helicopters. Do you remember the helicopters that were flying over Zenfest? No. It was a big outdoor festival, and they had yeah, they, the squad was out. They had yeah, they had helicopters that were flying over the whole area. It was it was very over the top. That's interesting. No, well, I mean, I can understand that. I think one of the things that preserved my brain molecules was the fact that everybody thought that I was on something because I was so, like, high on the music and the dancing and the fire. But, dude, you cannot twirl fire fucked up. Yeah, I would imagine that's a bad idea. No, yeah, you can't. I've... I tried just twirling glow sticks on ecstasy once, and it was like, that's, it's just, no, no. You, you, you can't feel where you are in space. You have to, ha- I, if anything, I was, I, I'd be on an energy drink, and like, I had, I had, I'd always eat like some meat that day or something, like, just to get my power up. Get your but, protein. But I definitely, definitely don't want to be on some kind of substance while you're on working with fire. <laughs> so since then, Ilsa has retired her fire ways. Yeah, that was so long. That was almost 20 years ago. I know, that's crazy <laughs> to think about. <laughs> so long time ago. But I, I retired because um, it was, it took up my entire life. I, I, I was practicing like three hours a day for six years. That's why, I mean, when I finally saw my last video, I cried because I was like, oh, wow, I really did kind of get to a, a level of where I didn't know how good I, I, okay, no, I'm shamelessly packing, but I just, if you, if you devote yourself to something, something. That, that intensely for so long, you're going to get something out of it, but, but I just... I saw the road ahead and I realized, you know, this is not going to be good for your lungs in the long run for one. And then two, like, I've got to, I've got to find some, some other focus because this isn't going to last forever. How long did you spend fire for? Six years. Six years. But I retired when I was 24. When you were 24. And then that's when I focused on the bicycle ride. I see. And then I went to college. Well, that's a perfect segue. Um, so let's talk about your bicycle ride a little bit. Uh, now, where did you bicycle ride from? From what point to what point, do you, uh, roughly? I, s- I started in Florence because I have this lovely second cousin who lived in Florence at the time who was American but had married a, um Italian. Um, so I spent 10 wonderful days with my lovely and illustrious cousin Mary Catherine mm-hmm. and um, shout out Mary Catherine shout out Mary Catherine I do love you and then I uh, cycled south to Siena which is a fortified city um, and then onward towards the coast and on the way to the coast I hit that one city that was where they filmed the uh, one of one of the what was that vampire movie one of one of the They've made so many vampire movies. Twilight? Twilight, right. Oh, well, nailed it on the first try. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Via Reggio, it was Valletta. I think it was Valletta was the city. But um, anyway, I went through both of those cities. Then um, up, th- up through Italy, up th- um, 
zigzagged all through southern France. And I think, you know what, my favorite part of France was probably the most underrated. It was, um, I think, because it reminded me of the Appalachian Forest. And um, what part of France is that? It was. Uh, that reminds you of that? Kind of a, just north of Carcassonne, which is. Um, okay. Uh, which is sort of southwestern France, just a, just above the Mediterranean. There are these hills that are. Um, it's just really green and lush, and um, it's it's just not a very commonly visited part of France. Usually, people go to Monaco or the or Nice or some other place with a pebbled beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the mountains. I That's was, really cool. I was, I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to travel, and uh, I have a mother who adores all things France. Uh, so I've been to France a handful of times. And, and the French time, are re- actually really, really wonderful, beautiful people. Like, yeah. If you know a little bit of French, they're, they're the best people in the world. That's what I found, too. If, if, the, if you're trying to make an effort... Yeah. And, you're, and, yeah, if you're really trying to make an effort, I find that... that, that that they're pretty cool and they help you out. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed the south of France. We went to, like, Normandy. We went to Provence. <laughs> Provence is definitely southern France. All right. Got it. <laughs> I've got all my maps. I mean, we I, I didn't realize this was going to be a geography quiz. Yes, <laughs> I know. Me neither. <laughs> well, part of my podcast is I always like to, uh, to have people walking away learning something, so... They'll learn that uh, Normandy's not in the uh, South France. It's it's a little bit more north. And well, but anyway, we went to Provence, and I liked that a lot. And going through that hill country, driving down there, reminded oh, me a lot man. of Texas. Going from uh, I took La Route Napoleon, so mm-hmm. it was uh, I went from La Gorge Verdun, which is a it's a the Green Gorge, um, and you head down the the way that Napoleon took to when he went into exile. Um, and it's just this descent, just these centuries old birch trees, just, you have to take your sunglasses off because the birch trees provide so much shade that it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're descending down through elevation, which is always really fun, especially with a packed, bicycle because right, you're, you've you got, got forty. Momentum. you got momentum exactly and it grounds you down so you can go even faster than you could have gone without luggage it's great um but it also has a strobe light effect which i think does something to your brain gives some people seizures makes other people really happy <laughs> <laughs> now didn't you tell me a story about um there was someone that that took you in uh, it was like a very old, it was like an old manor yeah. that took you in. Maybe it wasn't a manor, but it was, he was in a really old building, uh, an older house. There uh, were a few times that I, that I ended up staying with people. Um, there was one time where I broke, I, my, um, my pack fell, my, 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 my pack fell apart and I kind of broke down in, in Italy at some point and um and the italians are not known for universally speaking english sorry we're swapping countries now now we're talking about italy oh yeah sorry where did i stay and i don't i don't recall staying any with anyone in particular in france but i did stay with this beautiful boy in ripoli in spain mm. 
Uh, my heart, my heart still beats for him. He was, he, he, he was beautiful. He was beautiful. Now, do you do you speak Italian? Do you speak Spanish? No, do you I speak uh, French. I, I actually um, had a, a French a, a, a lady who was um, getting her from. She was from Nantes, and um, I hired her to, to come for about four months uh, to come by and help talk with me once a week for an hour. Um, I'd give her twenty dollars to to talk with me, so I had the most beautiful Nant accent. Um, but I was this was before I'd gone to college, so I didn't have any kind of formal training. But she at least helped me stay motivated to study it enough because I knew I'd be spending most of my time in France because it's kind of kind of a big country. So I did the southern France, and then I did the Spanish Pyrenees, and and when you're in northern Spain, knowing French helps because they all know. They all speak uh, Catalan. Yes. So it's kind of, yeah. The, they, they, they get the, the gist of what you're trying to say. Well, that's, my mom studies languages. Uh, she does Spanish and French. but and, and so she tells me, yes, when we go travel, she's like, if they don't speak English, see if they speak one of the languages that you speak. So if they, <laughs> so <laughs> see if they, see if they know Spanish and you can use that as the go-between or see if they know French and you can use your, my French is pretty limited. I joke, I joke that I speak Tarzan French, like me here, me want that, you yep. know, like yeah. mine. <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely was speaking some Tarzan French, but it was funny because when I did finally get up to that region of Nantes, which is northwestern France, okay, um, this um, there was a cameraman for the BBC because this was uh, when a bomb had a terrorist attack had just hit London. What so roughly year do you think that was? That was two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah, that was also the same year that Katrina hit. Okay. Um, I just remember that because that was all over the news. And I was actually kind of surprised that Europe should care so much about what's going on in the United States. But, yeah. But that was, when Katrina hit, that was big, big, big news in Europe. I have a, 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 a friend of mine in Australia. He's actually a New Zealander. He wants to always make that clear. And uh, it always blows my mind how much he knows about American politics and things like that. Right. Uh, it, but he's like, well, you guys are one of the superpowers of the world, so we, it, what happens with you guys affects us. But I'm always really surprised. But he he has a vested interest because he's traveled here. I'm actually going to have him on the show one of these times. But um, it, I felt the same way that I'm always surprised. You know, I, I well, we're all looking at each other. I mean, I'm, look at no, I'm looking at New Zealand, thinking. You guys got it wrapped up. I've played that game Plague enough times to know that if anybody's going to survive this apocalypse, it's New Zealand. It's New Zealand. That's God right. Ble God bless you, whenever, New Zealand. Whenever I, play, whenever I play, the, play a virus in the hard, brutal mode, New Zealand always gets by on the skin of their teeth. Otherwise, I can wipe out the entire world population, no problem. So after you went on your, your journey, um, was that before or after you got your degree when you went on your bike ride across Oh, that was Europe? before. That, that was, was before. before. Okay. Yeah. And then you came back and then you got your degree in mm -hmm. 
Uh, did you go to UT? I, I started out at ACC. ACC actually had the best core classes because you could... ACC is the Austin uh, Community College. They do have a lot yeah. of great courses. There were really, really wonderful, devoted professors there. So I really I really enjoyed my time there. And it felt like, actually, no, the, the, the downtown ACC was once a high school. So it felt kind of like going back to high school in a way. Oh, nice. Um, but I really enjoyed college. I liked it a lot. I got an English degree. I don't, and then I had no idea what to do with it. An English degree. And did you study, did you make, did you have a specialty? Like, didn't you study, like, is it poetry? No. No, that's like, uh, I have Was a... Was there a particular I, I, genre? I, I, I did not. I, I only have a bachelor's. I did not get a master's. So you, you, when you get a bachelor's, it's pretty, pretty general. You know, they, they make you be well-rounded at UT so along with you know you're not just with your English brethren you know which you knew when you were around a bunch of English uh, majors because they're all relatively booky and shy and you know you just know you just know you just know because there was one time I got fooled into going into this uh, taking this class called um, Professional speaking for uh, liberal arts majors, mm -hmm. and I swear to God, half that class was from the business school, and they're a bunch of goddamn extroverts. <laughs> I, w I was not around my people. Oh, they were extroverts, and you were more of an introvert. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought that like there was some kind of seed that back from my fire twirling days that enjoyed being up in front of an audience. Sure. But speech class was actually I, it it took but it took a tragedy for me to get up there and just be deliver my speech as if it didn't fucking matter you have to kind of i find you have <laughs> to kind of leave your body a little bit uh otherwise you become too in tune with you know, like, oh, what is this? What is my posture? Or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or even right now doing a, doing a podcast, hearing, hearing your own voice where it doesn't sound the same way that it does in your body. I think, I think Ooh, there's yeah. a little bit of like forgiveness that comes in with that, that you have to forgive yourself and, and the beating of yourself up about your flaws, but also come out of your body a little bit to be able to see things more objectively. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Um, that, that I find that that helps in public speaking and performance a lot. That I find I don't that know. I didn't know. I was really surprised that it that what it what it, the, the the magic pill for me was was not giving it as much possession or throwing putting. I guess not trying so hard because yeah. it, it, I, I felt like every other time I was giving a speech, I was trying so hard to, yeah. to um, you know, to perform, I suppose, for people. And it, that, it, that, it, that when I see the playback, I, w I would just hate it. And then when I, I, I the, the best one that I did was, I mean, frankly, when I had just come home from the funeral and I'm like, there, there are so many, or there, there are things that matter so much more than this, that I'm not going to give this any power over me. That's funny you say that. I thought I just thought of a, and this is kind of a name dropping uh, story too that I don't mean it to be, but um, when I uh, opened for uh, Ed Rush 
uh, a while back, uh, I, my headphones stopped working and uh, I started to panic a little bit. And then I thought to myself, well, my criteria, my criteria is, okay, this is the, you know, like this situation, will I get, will, I, will this kill me? Will I die from this? No. Will I get seriously injured from this? No. You know, and then I was like, well, then they don't really have anything to worry about. Then let's just let it roll. Then I'll just, and my headphones eventually started working and that was okay. I oh think I borrowed God. some. I'm going to use that. That was my criteria was, is this going to kill me or maim me? If this doesn't go the way I want it to, no, I'm going to live. Then let's just do it. Let's just, let's just get our hands dirty and do it. Hallelujah, sister. I'm going to use that as my mantra. Because <laughs> I still, I got stage fright. Everything gives me stage fright. Walking out the front door gives me stage fright. I I do get the, the, a case of the shies a lot. And then, and then I don't know what, you know, the, at, at, at some point, I shake it off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? Because I really, 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 really really fucking like people yeah you do um ilsa now uh is she is now a massage therapist so she works with people quite a bit it's a people job yes and she's very very good at it i must say i feel honored and humbled by people's presence and vulnerability and and feel really much more respect for this work than i did i think i needed to waste a bunch of time and money going to college and getting a like a college degree job that I hated yeah to to finally come back home to massage therapy with a whole fresh perspective for how fortunate I am to be doing this work it's humble work I'm never gonna make myself rich doing it because you know, it's a certain, it's just not that kind of, you, you can't climb, climb the corporate ladder or anything like that in this sort of position, but. Yeah, I can see how that would be tough because it's, it's hard to, well, in a corporate world, you have people, your peers around you that it's actually, you don't have the opportunity to network. And I was just actually reading an article about, about Uber and about the gig cult and the gig economy and the gig culture because uh, they were talking about how they're they're really losing out because you don't have those opportunities to have meet coworkers and meet mentors like you would in say a, a, a traditional work environment. Um, that uh, so I can totally understand where you're coming from with that. The only uh, well, I, I feel satisfied with having made made my own show of it like I, I i've worked for the fancy spas and i learned from them and i'm grateful for the learning but i'm also very happy to be do, to be independent and to do it myself because i just felt like i can do better than this sure <laughs> sure oh just watch me and so um so i do it i do it my way and I have independence, and I, I love that. Independence, and yet I've been able to make it through this pandemic without the crushing. I mean, I, would, I, would, I think I would probably lose my mind if I had to just work in front of a computer. 
all day and live alone. I would, I would definitely get a dog at that point. <laughs> That's what I did. At least, can, at least a parakeet. You it in the background, yeah. A parakeet. Yeah. <laughs> something. Something. Or a goldfish. Something to keep me company. But people come, coming by, like turning... It makes, it makes me have to be insanely clean. Everything has to be so clean. Because if somebody's coming into this your is home... This true. If you work from home and... You, you, it, you, your, your place is masquerading as a fancy spa. <laughs> then you have to be very good at taking care of houseplants and making there be no clutter anywhere. It's a little maddening, but um, but I also enjoy the fact that I get to meet people. I get to develop relationships that some some people have been seeing for, gosh, over a decade. That's and, outstanding. Yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah. So Ilsa is probably one of the most health conscious people that I know. And um, she is always trying to help me and I appreciate it. Right now, her recommendation for me was uh, spirulina and um, red, oh, what is it? Not red clay. Maca. Maca root. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. I was, I was t- t- um, matcha, I think is what it's called, but, but there's like, there's culinary grade. It's like, it's like, gr- it's like super green tea, but it's a powder and you don't have to, it's, it has like over a hundred times as many antioxidants as green tea, but if you get the ceremonial grade, you look at the the culinary grade and it looks like pea soup, but you get the the ceremonial grade, and it is like the greenest green. It is like the the. If if you would just to think, close your eyes and think of the greenest green you've ever see, did see. The greenest see. green you've ever seen. The greenest green you've ever seen. That that green. is the color of ceremonial grade matcha, and it is. Goddamn delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Where does somebody find ceremonial grade matcha? You have to go to like a Chinese I, herb store I or think you an should Asian go. market? I get it online. Get it online. Yeah. All right. Yes, definitely. Now you do uh, now you do keto and you found a lot of benefits to that, correct? Yes. If somebody would have taught me years ago that I could stop I, th- I think that the way that I treated my health before was like a hamster on a wheel. I was just trying so fucking hard. So hard. I'd run around town like over and I'd do it. I'd run around town like twice, like daily. And, and I was trying so hard to chase this kind of like health ideal that was actually probably hurting myself. Like I've been told that I can no longer run because I have arthritis in my spine. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That is how, that's what, what happens when you get older children. <laughs> you, get, you get arthritis from running too much. And even though I was running on a dirt trail. But if somebody told me years ago that I could really simplify this whole, like, body thing, like trying to be healthy, what you would do is you eat 80% fat, 15% protein and then 5% of your daily calories should 
theoretically come from berries, like blueberries and blackberries and things, because really? they have these um, anthrocins or something that are antioxidants that are really good for you, so you need to get some of that in your body. But I, I, I like eat whole avocados now and... Um, Girl, she does like avocados. When coconut, uh, she and I went on this coconut oil. You do like coconut oil. Ilsa and I went on this road trip uh, to Colorado Springs last year. We were both just going nuts from the quarantine and had to go somewhere. But uh, Ilsa was uh, eating an avocado in the car like it was an apple. Yep. I can't say I've ever seen that before. But we went to Colorado Springs. We saw the Garden of the Ancients, which was quite beautiful. That was beautiful. It was the Garden of the Gods. Garden of the Gods. Sorry. Garden of the Gods. But yes, she ate an avocado like an apple. I've never seen that before. She didn't eat the skin. That's just crazy talk now. (laughs) (laughs) I was eating a lot of avocados and a lot of seeds and stuff. Yes. Yeah. But I kind of got off my rocker too because because I... I I think I I I like you'd order like normal regular people food like sandwiches and things like that and I would like oh I haven't had anything like that in a long time so I I, I stole her leftovers a couple of times she did I she, did I couldn't believe it she ate a meatball she ate a half a meatball sandwich I did now, but it's okay it's all right I think that was the last time I ate bread. I probably wasn't going to eat the, I probably wasn't going to finish it anyway. There was something in there I did want to finish, but it's okay. It's, it's all over now. It doesn't matter. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) Um, so what are some things that you can, uh, some, uh, for busy people that are trying to be healthier, uh, what are some, what are some small things that you can recommend doing? Like, I know that you're I mean, you got to commit when you, when you do keto, you got to commit, you got to, you got to just do it. And, and then, and then you got to be patient because it takes a while for your body to get the message because, and it's, this is what I was doing wrong before I was eating too much protein. I was eating a high protein diet and what your body does when it has too much protein is it turns the excess protein into glycogen, which is. Like it basically your, your, your liver basically puts, ch- changes excess protein into sugar. I don't know how magic, but, um, bad magic, evil magic. So you have to actually limit your, pro- your protein to only as much as you need, but really focus on healthy fats like avocados, coconuts, nuts, seeds. Um, vegetables that grow above the ground, like no carrots, no potatoes, nothing like that. But just, I mean, I, I eat a lot of mushrooms and cauliflowers mm. and then a lot of junk food. I, I love any kind of sweets that has like lots of, uh, these newfangled fake sugars. So I, I love me some, you're crazy about some monk fruit right now from my understanding. If it says keto on it, I'll buy it (laughs) and I'll, and I'll eat all of it. This Uh, is true. I can vouch for that. And it's funny too. Like I, I gotta be careful. I, I, like I don't count calories or anything anymore. Cause if I'm not careful though, you get too skinny on it. So you, it's like, no, no, you got, you have to eat. So that's why it's good for you because it like. I'm I'm pretty sure my my metabolism is probably pretty f- fast. It must be because I eat like I eat so much. I think yeah, you probably do have a fast metabolism. But yeah. I, but before when I was trying so hard, it was the opposite. 
where I was like starving all the time and yeah. I was much heavier. Yeah. And that was way too much work. Well, but you were also, you had, you had recently had an injury at that time anyway. And so you just weren't really yourself anyway. It's true. It's true. So, um, but, uh, but I do think that you, and we have a couple of other friends, Flippy and, and, and his wife, they did Flippy ketosis. Flippy Kelly are doing keto. Yeah. It's worked out quite well for them. They've lost, they've lost a lot of weight. Um, they've, I, I, I don't know how many pounds or anything like that, but, uh, they've lost a significant, it's worked quite well for them. Yeah. They've been doing keto for, uh, about 18 months, if, if not more since before COVID. Good for them. Totally. Totally good for them. Yeah, we should we should connect and see. I should, I should ask them what they eat because it took me a long time to kind of figure it out. Yeah. You know? I like the way that they bargain their booze because they're, because uh, um, they like to party. And uh, <laughs> so, but they, but they keto party. So they're doing Michelob Ultra and then like uh, Kelly's made up a drink that's like, sugar-free Powerade and vodka or something <laughs> and then it's like an almost margarita and they made me one and I was like this is not a margarita at all. exactly that's it's that that's the problem it's like you've got a you've got a it's kind of like uh getting into a really hot you know like when you get into a really hot tub you gotta get into it slowly yes and then or a frog boiling in water or something. It's like you basically have to just ease it into keto. And then finally, um, your taste buds adjust and you are all about... You, you, you become a polar bear and you eat like a polar bear. Polar bears, they eat the blubber off of steels, but they don't. They, they throw the rest of the meat off... For the fishes. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. What do you think the weirdest thing is you ever ate? Like, we were talking about frogs a minute ago. You ever had a frog? You ever eaten frog legs? I think I ate frog legs at a camp out with you. Yes, that was with me. Yeah. They it's, were on special. Due, you, me, and Will. Due to you, I have eaten frog. They, and it, it, there, there's not a lot of meat. For, I mean, you, you can look at them and tell it's not a lot of meat. Yeah, they had a special at the grocery store. Yes, we barbecued. Oh frog my legs. god! Oh my god! That it, you just took me back to the bicycle trip because uh, when I when I camped by the coast, now I know why Perpignan, which is on the Mediterranean coast, but on kind of it's it's on the border with Spain, not rather than the more popular border with. Okay. Um, with Italy, um, but the frogs were so loud. I was. Oh, just, yeah. It made me so grateful that I I, I brought these silicone earplugs that 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 were just my saving grace the entire time because those campsites could get so loud and those frogs would not shut up. And it's a low end. It's kind of a low end oh, drone. I've I've been there with yeah lots of frogs before and it's yeah and it's 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 so really loud. I think I think the I think actually I think bullfrogs are an invasive species over in France. They're from America, I think. I would be surprised. They have a type of frog in Puerto Rico they call them coqui and that's an invasive species that goes nuts and I can I can I can definitely know when I hear a coqui that I, I don't know what the American name is it's for tree it. Frogs. Oh, never mind, Puerto Rico is America. 
We've got tree frogs here in Texas. Yeah, it's like a tree frog. That I would always think were um, like birds or make a chirping sound, but yeah, I have learned are frogs. Yeah, it's more of a chirping sound, like a than it is more like a more like yeah, like a, a full throated. That's the best frog I got. That's that's all I got. Next show at ten. That was... That's all. <laughs> That's a nice onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia, indeed. Well, I sure appreciate you coming by here today, Ilsa, and talking about some of your travels. Um, hopefully, we'll have you back again, and we can talk about more of your adventures. We're gonna, we're gonna get through this, and it's gonna be okay, guys. It's gonna be totally okay. It's gonna be better than okay because we're gonna really appreciate each other when we see each other. When we, when we finally are able to commune with large crowds without fear of people's cooties. Yeah. It's going to be okay. We're waiting for that day to come, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Thanks. Bye, folks.